first congregation members at Church Untamed. I, I actually almost went naked. Oh my uh, gosh. Don't tell the story. Um, lovely, lovely guy. Actually, one of the oldest congregation members uh, that, that sort of comes along. You guys will know David and Edith Mackay. Like, David's, David's awesome. He, he comes along just to make sure we're going okay, you know, make sure the sound's all right and stuff like that. And it was awesome. But the first time I met him, um, I was actually really sick. And um, so I didn't go to school at all. Um, what I did instead was I was around in my PJs, had the curtains closed, um, had it tidied up, but I basically had my dressing gown on. So, all right, so for all you visuals, you can put the dressing gown on <laughs> over the picture that you've currently got right there. Um, and uh, it was great. So I heard a knock on the door, and I actually thought it was the meter reader because we were in a... Um, we were in a um, like a back block kind of thing, so that was fine. And so I was like, oh, well, it's fine. I'm feeling sick, but it's the meter reader. Because the meter reader could, would quite often not be able to find the meter in our house. And so anyway, the first time I met David, in my dressing gown, the curtains were closed. There was stuff everywhere, just so you know. Like, um, you know, like how... Um, when you know that you've got visitors, you'll tidy the house real well. Mm. But then the unexpected visitors come, right? Mm. And your house is maybe not quite in the it's state. It's lived in. It's thrown up upon, it's lived in, however <laughs> you want to say it. Anyway, so David knocks on the door, and um, he's, a, he's actually a really great, really gracious man and stuff, but this was the first conversation I had with him. Um, David, if you're listening, I love you, mate. Um, and so... The door opens, I'm in, I'm in my dressing gown. And I said, oh, you're not the meter reader. And he says, no, I'm not. And he said, and I said, oh, are you, are you here just to see what's going on? No, I, I wanted to meet the pastor of this new church. Oh, that's me. <laughs> it's half past 11 in the, it's half past 11 in the morning. And then I have a look around and I kind of realise that, you know, there's bottles floating around and all kinds of stuff and this, um, you know, um, my breakfast was still on the table. And, um, and I say to him, oh, I'm probably not making a very good first impression. And he laughs and he looks me up and down and he goes, no, you're not. <laughs> and then we have this good conversation and stuff and I mean, you guys have seen David over the years and he's just actually a genuinely great guy. But the thing... Um, that God wanted me to talk about today was to, was to talk about who's in your living room, right? Now, I don't know about you, but um, who finds the 30 minutes before anyone comes to round to their house the most stressful time of their week? <laughs> These are the people. Who doesn't find that stressful at all because they've already all got everything all under control? Everything's sense. completely tidy, man. You guys are so spiritual. You're going to get nothing out of this message, right? So, okay. Alright. Um, but it's really interesting, right? That we have this thing called a living room. And for me and Shen, like normally the 30 minutes before someone comes around is literally the most stressful time of the week. And it doesn't matter when it is, it could be planned. It could be unplanned. It's just, it's just really stressful. And one of the things that kind of makes it stressful sometimes is that, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just don't want to tidy up. <laughs> nah, she'll be right. We'll leave, we'll leave that. It'll be okay. And then 30 minutes before visitors come, it's like, it's not okay anymore. Why haven't you guys done this? Why haven't you guys done that? 
Um, our our um, vacuum cleaner blew up half an hour before um, half an hour before one of the meetings that we had in the last couple of weeks. That was a stressful time. Yeah. Um, we had our welcome meal on Wednesday. Um, we didn't have power, but um, we had a welcome <laughs> meal. That was um, that was pretty cool. That was awesome. But um, the thing that I wanted to talk about today. Power was out from ten until eight. The thing I wanted to talk about today is who's in your living room or how's your living room. Now, um, I wanted to give you a wee history lesson. So um, here's, the, here's the living room here. Um, here's one I prepared earlier. This is pretty cool. Um, bit of a shame that none of you guys actually wanted a cup of tea or a coffee. That's cool. I'm going to have my coffee all by myself. Where was I? Oh, yeah. How we welcome people is really important. How we provide hospitality is really important. So um, when someone's invited into your living room, it's actually probably important to... Um, offer them a tea or a coffee. Thanks. <laughs> it's really good. It's a little hotter, and it's um tastes like hypocrisy. All right. Um, so, so, <laughs> that's all right. Um, I hope you're easily uh, you're not easily offendable. If you are, just stick around. She's going to get great. All right. Um, so like you said, the most stressful time for us is 30 minutes before any meeting. Uh, any dinner, any visitor. Uh, like I said, the welcome meal had to power off. I've literally met one of our church congregation members in my dressing gown. Um, but the thing that God wanted me to sort of just talk about today is what do our living, what's our living room look like? Now, I don't know if you know or not, um, but church is one of our living rooms. Okay? So back in the day, I wanted to give you a history lesson, right? So back in the day, um, people's houses didn't actually have more than two rooms. Okay, um, every room would have every room would have like a variety of a variety of functions to it, right? And so what would happen is you'd have a bedroom. If you're really lucky, you'd have a bedroom and a toilet in two separate areas, and then the kitchen would be somewhere around, and that was literally what was available. So there actually wasn't any space for people to entertain guests. Now, has anyone ever realised what pub means? Who's been to the pub recently? Ah, that was a test. It was only the youth that put their hands up, so it raises a whole other layer of questions. I have some follow-up questions. Um, but a pub is actually called a pub because it's a public room. Okay? And the reason that you have a public room is because that was where you'd entertain guests because you didn't actually have the space to entertain them at home. Does that make sense? And so what you do is you'd meet at the pub, you'd meet at the public room. That was, that was, how, pubs, that was how pubs started. That's why pubs are called pubs. They're short for publics, public room. Um, but one of the things that started to happen is that as people became wealthier, as, um, as families got larger, as there was less of a death rate, you started to have these things that come into vogue called a parlour. And a parlour is actually a French word. And um, can, anyone tell, can anyone tell me what they think parlour actually means? Like, what's the French word that it comes from? Any French speakers in the room? Yeah, that's actually exactly right. So it comes from the word parlay. Okay, anyone that's seen Pirates of the Caribbean? Um, Captain Jack Sparrow says parlay anytime he gets in trouble. Parlay. <laughs> All right. Um, but to parlay is to speak. All right. And so what would happen is you'd have these rooms in your house where the whole function of them 
was to entertain, was to hang out, was to talk, and was to share ideas. What you'd do is you'd literally talk with one another, you'd connect with one another, you'd share food with one another. That's the whole point of a parlor. Now there's different types of parlors that are around, I'm not going into the different types of parlors because not all of them would be appropriate to talk about right now. Um, but one of the things that was really interesting was back in the day, when you had your living room, it was actually like a formal room. It was a formal room where you'd put your best furniture, you'd put your best artwork, and it would be the place that you would receive people in a formal manner. So you'd, you'd take them to the parlour. Alright, you take them to the parlour, you take them to this space. It also happened to be the space that when someone died, you actually put them in the parlour. And so, um, and so when um, people came to visit, it, was, it became known as the death room. And so the parlour in the 1900s, particularly around like Spanish flu, and particularly um, when there was um, sickness, particularly when there was um, people who were unwell, you put people into the parlour, which became known as the death, the death room. That was just what it was. And it was a formal space. Okay? It was, what would happen is that people wouldn't really talk. It would be quite an emotional space. But it would also be like the front face of your family was this, this official parlour. Right. You're currently sitting there going, well, wh why are you even talking to us about this? And this is where I wanted to, where I wanted to go. Eventually, what happened with the living room is that people stopped passing away so regularly, and then you started to have places called funeral parlors. So there was actually specifically a place, um, particularly in Western culture, where if you, we are, and a lot of us, a lot of us, particularly if we come from a European background, we would go to a funeral parlor to see a loved one in a comfortable but kind of formal and kind of intimate space, right? And so what happened in the 1900s is that because there were funeral parlors now, and because houses were getting bigger, there actually become this space called a living room. Which makes more sense than a death room. Like, who wants to hang out in the death room? <laughs> hey guys, we're gonna go to the death room now. It's, okay. Now the interesting thing is, is that as living rooms have gone on, they've gone back to sort of like what they were in the French times, where it was a place to entertain, where it was a place to speak, where it was a place to share ideas, where it was a place to fellowship. Here's, here's the point that I'm going to make today, and this, and this is, and I need you guys to come with me, or otherwise everything falls over, and the rest is going to be kind of boring. <laughs> this is Sunday morning. This is our living room. Yeah, it's good. This is our living space. This is where we come to parlay. This is where we come to speak. This is where we come to share ideas. This is where we come to host guests. Now, don't get me wrong, this is a space that's going to be, it's not going to be a formal space here, but we're going to put our best face forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. So this space here, it isn't a rumpus room, it's not a death room, it's not a formal dining room. Church is a space where we welcome guests in. Church is a space 
where we host the presence of God. So there's actually two types of people that we host in our living room, which is Church Untamed, right? One of the things that we host is we host the presence of God. Every week, the presence of God's going to show up here. Every week. Every week. And it's actually up to us how we choose to host Him. Yeah, it's, good. it's actually up to us to choose how to receive Him. Now the thing is, is that the Holy Spirit is not an unexpected visitor. It's good. We shouldn't be surprised when the Holy Spirit moves amongst us. We shouldn't be surprised when, when God comes to meet us here. And so then my question becomes, how are we hosting the Holy Spirit when He comes? All the air just went out of the room, which is either a good thing or a bad thing. Okay. So that's that's my first thing that I kind of wanted to think about today. The second thing that I wanted to think about today is that we actually host visitors. And ideally, the visitors that we come, and if you're a visitor today, we welcome you. It's so lovely to have you here. Um, It's a slightly strange message today, and that's okay. Um, The messages only get stranger from here. Um, Shannon speaks well. Um, But when people come through the door, man, our responsibility is to host people well. Yeah, it's good. Our responsibility is to love people well. Um, The space here, the space that's on a Sunday, is a space that we all come together. We host the presence of God together, which is amazing. So when we sing, what we're doing is we're actually hosting the presence of God in our song. Yeah, it's good. We're entertaining the presence of God with our worship, with our praise. When we fellowship, what we're doing is we're breaking bread together. We're deciding to we're deciding to be united together for a common cause and a common purpose. A because we're hosting the presence of God, and B because as visitors come in, we want this to be a space where they can encounter Jesus for the first time. Yeah, it's good. We want this to be a space where they feel welcome. We want this to be a space where they feel loved. Now, who's ever made the mistake? Uh, gentlemen, I'm probably looking at you while not looking at you at the same time because we're all, we'll all use our judgy eyes together. <laughs> who's ever made the mistake of having a 7 o'clock dinner party and then turning up at 7 o'clock? Just me? Here's, here's, here's the deal. As I get older, I'm slowly becoming wiser. <laughs> so if Shannon and I are hosting, if Shannon and I are hosting a meal for uh, hosting a meal for for someone, we have visitors turn up. That's amazing. If it's seven o'clock, awesome. If it's seven fifteen, perfect. That's a great time. If it's seven thirty and there's vomit over everyone, we freeze it and carry on. It's so good to have you in our space, right? <laughs> But if I leave Shan to sit up, and I turn up at 7 o'clock going, Cool Shan, where's the dinner party? You! She will punch me. <laughs> There'll be death, I'll come to, I'll come to church on a Sunday with a, um, with a black eye and, and stuff like that. So one of our values as a church is we live connected, right? And it's, it's actually a really, really important value for us. We live connected to God. And we live connected to each other. And like, if you were to pick one value that sort of sums up who we are as a church, 
That, that's, that's actually yeah. the one that rises to the top, right? That's right, that's right. So one of the things that we want to do is we want to encounter people and love people in such a way that they feel like family. But not only that, we want to host the presence of God so well that when people come into our living room, when people come into our space, they can't help but encounter the gospel. Yeah, it's good. They'll encounter the gospel in the message. They'll encounter the gospel in the worship. They'll encounter the gospel as we break bread afterwards. That they won't, there wouldn't be a chance for them to go away without actually knowing that God loves them. Yeah, it's good. Without, without knowing that Jesus has a purpose for their lives and that Jesus died for them. Without knowing that Jesus changed our lives and he can change your life as well. It's good. It's good. And see, that's not going to happen at any one level. Yeah. See, the cool thing is, is that when it's in a living room, when it's in an informal space, it's going to happen at every level, right? Yeah, it's good. People are coming to church to encounter Jesus. People are coming to church to encounter and explore their spirituality. People are coming to church with questions. And guess what? We're the hosts. Like all of us are the hosts. If you've been hanging around at church for longer than a couple of weeks, we host. That's right. That's our role. We entertain. We make sure that people feel welcome. Like that's what we're supposed to do. Um, this is our living room. This is where we speak. This is where we entertain guests. This is where we um, welcome visitors. It's not a death room. It's not a formal space. It's not actually... It's a living room. So here's my questions for you guys today. Where are the living rooms in your world? And who can you invite into your living room? Okay, who can you invite into your world? See, one of our core missions as Christians is to bring the outsider in. Like, that's, that's like our core mission. You see, time and again, Jesus bringing the outsider in. Jesus calling the outsider down from the tree. Jesus eating with people that other people wouldn't eat with. So our role, our core mission as Christians is to bring the outsider in and to bring the lost home. And that should be happening in every area of our life. It should be happening in our home. It should be happening in our workplace. It should be happening in our church, for sure. Yeah, if there was no other place, it should be happening here, right? Yeah, that's right. It's good. And so my question is, is really simple. How are we going with that? <laughs> that's a challenging question for me, because I don't think in every area of my life I'm nailing it by any stretch of the imagination. That's good. But I think it's actually really important that we challenge ourselves to go, to go further than we've gone before. I think it's really important for us to challenge ourselves that where are we at when it comes to hosting people and where are we at when it comes to hosting the presence of God in our lives? And if you're really uncomfortable answering those questions, then you've probably got your answer. <laughs> and the answer is probably going to be, man, we, can do, we, we need to work on this. This is something that we can do more. And the great news is, is that as we meet together, we actually get to do this together. It's not a one-person job. It's not a one-person show. You're actually not personally responsible for just your personal salvation. There's a whole bunch of other people that love you enough that they'll speak into your life if you're going too far to the left or too far to the right, right? That's right. Like if the wheels have fallen off your if the wheels have fallen off your life, you would hope that someone would come to you and go, man, stuff's a bit messy at the moment, but like, can we work through this together? Is it okay if I journey with you? Can we catch up? Can we can we talk about this? 
See, for God, meeting together was hugely important. It, in fact, defined the way that Jesus ran his ministry. It defined the way that Jesus operated. And how we welcomed people was important, and who was invited was important. One of the only times that Jesus would get upset short with people was often, actually it was nearly always, apart from one time that I can think of, it was nearly always when people thought that some people were in and other people were out. He'd wind, he'd wind up. The only other time um, that I can remember was Jesus in the temple, right? Where something was hosted in the temple that should have never been hosted. So like the, business, the marketplace entered the temple, which meant that the presence of God wasn't able to be hosted well. Like have a look through the Gospels. Jesus, that's where Jesus gets upset. When people think that they know who's in and who's out. And when they're not hosting the presence of God right. So... Whether you're a leader, uh, whether you lead your family, whether you don't think that you lead anything at all, simply being in the world affects people. You affect people. You affect people. You influence people. And not only that, the people you affect people whose world you inhabit, and people affect people affect your world when you give them access. So who's in your world and who's in your living room? Um, I, want, I had a couple of, um, couple of verses. Um, for those of you that have your Bibles, we're going to spend a wee bit of time in Luke 14 today. Um, it's, it's the parable of the wedding feast, which is, which is pretty awesome. But I've got a couple of wee verses for us. Um, when there was the day of Pentecost, one of the indicators that Pentecost had come, one of the indicators that there was revival happening in, the, uh, happening in what became the early church... Um, is actually mentioned in Acts 2.42. It's the New Living Translation that I've used. All of the believers, so those that had encountered Jesus, uh, that had heard the gospel and were filled with the Holy Spirit, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. These were the indicators of revival. People would hang out together. They would pray together. They would remember Jesus together. They would talk together about the teachings of Christ. That was an indicator of revival. Hebrews 10 verse 23 to 25, and I've got the Passion Translation just because it's a funky translation. I really like it. Um, Hebrews 10 verse 23 to 25. So, we must, so now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. This is the bit that I wanted to focus on in Hebrews here. Discover creative ways to encourage one another. Discover creative ways to welcome one another. Discover creative ways to love one another. And to motivate others towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. I love that thought. Use what you've got and use the gifts that you have as an expression of love. As a, as a church, if we loved people well, we'd change our region. Exactly. Easy. See, the thing is, is that um, the thing is, is that the world can refute our arguments, but they can't refute the love that we show. That's right. Does that make sense? Like, if we love people well, then they'll listen to what we have to say. Anyway, moving on. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, 
I, I very nearly made a joke about coronavirus there, but I didn't, so I'm really proud of myself. Oh my gosh. Moving on. As some have formed the habit of doing. <laughs> Unjokes are actually my favourite time, I just wanted to do that as, a, as an aside. Um, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge each other onward, uh, onward as we anticipate that day dawning. There's something powerful that happens when we choose to meet together. Yeah, that's right. There's something powerful that happens when we choose to be together. There's something powerful that happens when we choose to serve together. There's something powerful that happens when we choose to grow together. So anyway, I just wanted to read through... Um, what's my time, love? I forgot my watch. 11.27. Oh my goodness. Are you guys okay? We got, can we go like another five minutes, ten minutes? Is that all good? Yeah. All right. So Luke 14 says this. And it's Jesus at a Pharisee's house. So Jesus is already hanging out at someone's house that doesn't really want him. One Sabbath, when Jesus... Uh, it's Luke 14, verse 1, and we'll just go through it. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat at the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Have you ever been to someone's house and someone is intently watching you? <laughs> There's definitely been times where we've had youth at our house and we've been intently watching you. <laughs> That's your fourth Zinger chicken nugget? Don't do that? Alright, um... <laughs> There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Dinner conversation is going well already. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. More awkward silence. This is a great conversation. The living room is pumping. <laughs> then he asked them, who knows that when Jesus continues after an awkward silence, it's not going to go well for whoever's been quiet at that time. Just saying. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, uh-oh, he told them the parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, so this is hosting, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back so that you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I really love that thought about who we invite into our world is important. Yeah, it's good. Now, we can invite our friends into our world and be blessed by that, but actually we're called to invite the outsiders in. Yeah, it's good. Those ones that don't have other connection. And not only that, 
we're called to give up our space, our mana, our, um, our positioning. See, when it comes to church, um, there's no highest position, there's no lowest position. When we're here together, we're here to serve, serve others. We're here to serve our guests. Um, I wrote down here, um, does anyone, has anyone seen Big Bang Theory? Um, does anyone resonate with Sheldon? Like, um, you know, Sheldon sort of enters a room, right? And sometimes someone happens to be sitting in his spot. Now, this is Sheldon's spot, right? Uh, Sheldon's sort of sitting down. It's uh, got the best wind resistance. I don't catch too much of the light in the morning. Don't catch too much of the light in the afternoon. Um, I can easily see everyone. And then, um, and then Sheldon will sit there and get upset as soon as anyone sits in his spot. Now I vibe with Sheldon. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, right? I like, I like my spot, I like my cave and stuff like that. But the thing is, is that we don't want to be Sheldon's when it comes to hosting, right? That's right. We want to be the ones that are going to give up our seats. We want to be the ones that aren't precious about preference. We want to be ones that are actually going to host whoever comes in so, so amazingly well. Now hear my heart here. This is something that we're all working on, right? That's right, it's good. Um, but I just want us to get on the same page. Um, here at church and in our lo- own lives, we want to value people over our own preference. Um, Jesus goes on to talk about the parable of the great banquet. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God, so they've gone to a religious place. Jesus replied, and he, he, he essentially ignores um, that first statement until right at the very end. He says, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited him very many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. I need to go and check to see if my field is still there. Later. Probably not the best excuse. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. So that, uh, so I can't come. Um, Sam Monk, who's our movement leader, um, shared a leadership thing yesterday. Twelve lame excuses why we can't serve God. Anyway, they were three of them. Um, verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. I love the attitude and the heart of the servant here. There's still room. If we have a look around in our lives, if we have a look around in our space here, the great news is, is that there's more room. That's right. It's there's good. room for way more people. There's room, for, there's room for more people to be invited. It's good. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my... I love that story because, and I love the servant in that story, and I, I, I kind of resonate with the servant in that story because um, I love that idea of do whatever it takes to get people into the room. Take them out for a meal afterwards. Access is actually one of the, um, access to our lives and access to our living room is actually one of the greatest gifts we can give someone. It shows honor. It shows trust, and it shows value. 
So who we invite into our world, who we invite into our living space, who we invite into our church, actually says a lot about what we believe about the redeeming power of Christ. Who we invite says a lot about what we believe about the redeeming power of Christ. All the you went out of the room again, okay? I um. Joe, if you want to come up, I'm, I'm going to finish you. I actually have this really bad habit, right, of sitting on the couch and letting Shannon do housework around me. Is there, is there anyone else that does that? Storm. I see that hand. All right. We're coming into a time of repentance now. Okay. No, I mean, I... I do really well. I, I, I lift my feet so that she can vacuum around me. Like that's, that's helping, right? Is that I can feel the heat radiating from you, Shannon. All right. Um, weirdly, it doesn't go so well. I don't know why. <laughs> um, when I prepared this message, hear my, hear my heart, church. This is, a, this is a challenging message, but for some of us, it must need to be challenged. Um, prophetically, uh, I was praying about this today, and for some of us, for some of us, we've actually been sitting in a spot on the couch for way too long. Does that, does that make sense? It's good. Um, for some of us, um, we've been sitting on our couch by ourselves for way too long. It's been a long time since we've invited people into our space. It's been a long time since we've given access to people. Um, it's a long time since we've hosted. Um, I, the word that I had, and I, I just wrote it, wrote it down. I wrote it down with a smiley face because I didn't want it to sound really harsh. But it's, so just to tell you, it's got a smiley face at the end. <laughs> Um, for some of us, it's actually time for us to get off our couch. It's time for us to get out of our place of preference. Um, it's time for us... Um, if we're going to go as a church where God's calling us to go, it's going to be all of us that need to do it. Yeah, it's good. Does that, does that make sense? Um, I think sometimes... Um, particularly when it comes to serving God and, and, and stuff we look around and one of the excuses that we have sometimes is that we can see other people that are more competent um, we see people that are more gifted maybe um, it's real funny sometimes I say I sit there and I'm, um, and in my head I go, there's actually people that are more gifted at me at this kind of stuff. Um, but it's not just confidence that God wants from us. He wants our passion. He wants our availability. Um, I reckon sometimes it's how we, we treat the house of the house of God sometimes, right? There's other people that are more gifted. There's other people that can do it better. That might be true. Like, 
Shannon and I are better at cooking than the kids. Shannon and I are definitely better at cooking than the kids are. Asher can cook eggs okay, that's it. Charlie cooked mac and cheese last night that had no cheese in it and wondered why it tasted bad. <laughs> Alright? But just because, just because we're better at cooking than the kids doesn't mean that we want them not to take responsibility in their house. It's Does good. that make sense? It's good. It's really good. And, and again, hear my, hear my heart. Like, I'm so desperate to, to get it across in a great way and in a good way. Um, the more astute of you are already connecting the dots. Mm. Um, we've actually all got excuses. Like, I, I had an excuse not to finish my message today. I've been really busy. I, I finished my message, and that was a bad thing because now we're going over time. <laughs> But I, I really honestly believe that in this um, season of wide open spaces, um, this is actually a, this is actually going to be a time where we're all going to have to step up. Like, like we actually we actually just have to. Like, and and honestly, part of it is kind of like it's just because like where God's calling us to, we're we're, we're all going to have to band together. Like we're all going to have to um, do what we can when we can. Um, if we're going to go where, where we've never been before, I've, I've never led a church of above 50. I've never led a church of above 100. I've never led a church of above 150. I've been a part of a church that was about 500, but I don't know how to lead it. But all of us are going spaces that we've never been before. And so as we do that, here's my encouragement. Um, we actually really need each other. Like we actually... As a church, we're going to need to come together. And we're going to need to take responsibility for our living room together, because this is our living room. Mm. This isn't a space where mum and dad are going to tell you to put your feet off the table. <laughs> this isn't a space where just lift your legs as the luxing goes on around you. <laughs> All the parents in the room are like, preach! <laughs> so at the start of 2020, why don't we make the, why don't we make the commitment that we're going to work together? That we're going to serve together. That we're going to grow together. Um, for me, Jen, um, like honestly, um, we genuinely, honestly need us to all be together. <laughs> like that's a, that's our, that's a, like if you want to want to know what the cry of our heart is, that's a, is that together. Like not just together, but together, together. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, um, we need us to work together. Um, we need us to serve together. We need us to grow together. Um, we're getting to a space now where we need us to give together. <laughs> um, we're in a space now, like we're moving away from like that church plant space to a church. Like we're not at the church plant space anymore. Um, like we're actually a church, and we're we're going to be here together for a long time. So this is this space is our responsibility. 
So like if the worship's too quiet, it's, it's our responsibility. If we're not praying for each other enough, it's, it's, it's our responsibility. Um, if there's not enough connect groups, that's our responsibility. And so when we show up, we're going to show up together because we got every, every week we put on this dinner party for people. We set our living room for people. We set up life for people so that there's food. We set up fellowship for people. We put entertainment on for two reasons. And this is the vision for this year, right? To host the presence of God well. And then when people are welcomed in, they're welcomed in and they feel like family. Yeah, that's good. And for you guys, a lot of you guys are sitting in this room because someone did that for you. For some of us, it might have been me and Chan, but for a lot of you now, it's actually because of other people in the room that welcomed you guys well. It's not about convenience. We're a church that's on mission. See, a living room shows a level of intimacy that a meeting... A living room shows a level of intimacy that a meeting in a public place. Uh, a living room shows a level of intimacy that a meeting in a public space space doesn't. I don't know what it is about public. A public space doesn't. This is our living room. This is your living room. Our living room. So here's my question for us today, church. Who do we have space for? Who are we believing for? Can we believe for one person this year? What about one couple? What about one family? Church, what I want you to do is I want you to get that that person or those people in your mind. And here's our evangelism strategy, right? It's real simple. If you're looking for strategy and vision for the year, this is it. It's not going to change. I want you to pray. Pray for that person. Pray for that family. Pray for that couple. Pray for whoever it is. I want you to invite. Now, invitation doesn't come from nothing. Invitation comes from relationship. I could see Abby on the street having not ever met her before and I could invite her to church. That's one level of invitation. I could get to know Abby. We could have coffee together. Shannon could have coffee with her. We could have coffee together. We could get to know one another and I could invite her into my living room. That's a completely different invitation. So let's invite people. There's people that we already know and care about that we'd love to have in this space. And here's the third thing, and this is a new thing, and I don't know if we've talked about it before. We've probably mentioned it, but the third thing is, is that when people come, and we want to be the most welcoming. Yeah, that's right. We want to be ones that welcome with open arms. I want people to be embarrassed by the amount of connection that they get when they come into our living room. When people come into our living room, we're not going to 
just sit there and be silent. I refuse, I refuse to do that. We're going to walk towards people and we're going to love people. We're going to create an environment that loves the presence of God. Loves the things of the Spirit. Loves the prophetic. Loves healing. And so then we know that when people come in, when they're loved and welcomed by people that host well, and we're all hosts, that when they encounter the living God, they'll leave change every time. Yeah, that's good. There'll be something that's different about them. They'll go back to their environments. We get a lot of, uh, I was going to say transients, but that sounds weird. We get a lot of visitors coming in. But they'll go back to their space changed. Yeah, that's right. Because there was someone in Cromwell that was willing to love them, that was willing to host the presence of God well, and was willing to pray for, commission, break bread with them. So church, here's my, here's my gear change, I think, and this is my challenge. Next week, when we come to church, let's come prepared. Let's come expecting. Let's come, let's send the invites out. It's not about numbers. It's about people. Yeah, it's good. We don't invite people so that we have more people in the room. We have more people in the room because it gives them a chance to encounter God. It gives them a chance to hear the gospel. It gives them a chance to change their lives forever. We're going to reach our region. We always need to have room for one more. We need to get off the couch. We need to move from passive observer to active participant. We need to be all in, all in. And we need to be together, together. We're doing this thing together. We need to meet midweek. Because you imagine us having family meetings like this all the time. It'd be really weird for visitors, right? Okay, guys, uh, morning team was pretty good last week. Uh, Inca, I really like how you welcomed that person. Laurie, you can do better next time. Um, everyone else in the room. Um, yeah. Who reckons we should have more apples or less apples? Less apples? I like oranges better. Okay, thanks for that. Let's vote on that later. We don't have family meetings on Sunday. We meet together and we pray together and we encourage one another and we challenge one another in the midweek. Yeah, it's good. We, we meet together and one of the indicators that we're together together is we, we actually commit to meeting together outside of a Sunday. And if you're, if you're on a Sunday and you're feeling disconnected at the moment, it's, it's easy and I can tell you why. It's because Sunday's not everything. Sunday's important. Sunday's when we come together like a family reunion, but it's not everything. Relationship happens outside of the space. The last thing that I wrote down is that we need to pray like never before. We need to pray to invite the outsider in. We need to pray to come closer. And we need to be willing to let people have access to our lives. As a church, we need to be the best hosts. 
and we need to prepare for our honoured guests. The presence of God and those ones that have come in off the back of invitation. Is it okay if we stand and pray together? And I'll hand it back to the worship team because Shannon's doing the Oscar music. I, um, I made a coffee at the start of the, the thing on purpose, actually. It was just to annoy some people, like genuinely. Um, if it genuinely annoyed you, that's great. You've already captured the heart of hospitality. See, the heart of hospitality is not my, not my preference, but your preference. The heart of hosting is not what I want, but how can we serve you? I haven't tasted my coffee because I've felt guilty about it ever since. But, uh, <laughs> just, if we capture this, our church is never going to be the same again. If we come prepared, if we come prayed up, if we come ready to worship, man, it's not going to take the third song when Shannon's like desperately almost crying, going, please do something, church. <laughs> We're going to come expectant. We're going to come ready. We're going to come already having encountered God and all that we're choosing to do is we're choosing to encounter God together again. Lord, I thank you for this amazing body of people. I thank you that the church isn't a building. I thank you that it's a body of people. Lord, I pray for our living room today. I pray for the living room in our lives and I pray for our living room here at church. Lord, would you help us to be the best hosts? Would you help us to be ones that would love you, that would love your presence, that would love people? Lord, that we would put our own personal comfort, our own preferences out of the way so that we could advance the kingdom of God in our region. Lord, that we would be passionate for what you're passionate about that we would have that divine spark within us that would eager us on, that would make us frustrated, that would make us unable to do nothing. Lord, I pray that you continue to fan gifts into flame. Lord, I pray that you help to wake the sleeper. Lord, I prophesy to dry bones, and I say dry bones awake. I prophesy to the region, and we call those lost ones in. Lord, as they come in, I pray that we would be the most welcoming, the most loving, that they would be embarrassed by the love that we showed them. Lord, I thank you that we are together, together. I thank you that we're together, together. I thank you that we're together, together. As we take territory for you this year, as we serve together this year, as we grow together this year, may you draw us closer together. And you may you draw us closer to you. In your mighty name.